Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And I, you know, every morning I wake up uh, and think, okay, what what do I need to look at today? What does God want me to review? What does He want me to see, write, or speak about when I do these radio broadcasts? And uh, I usually get an answer in the morning, and uh, this morning I got an answer that... Uh, I should probably go back to my notes on a particular guy who uh, lived back in the days of Woodrow Wilson. And the reason I uh, had that guy in my mind, his name was uh, Edward uh, Mandel House. And the reason I had him in my mind is I was getting emails from uh, people like the Minnesota Republic, or uh, which is a group of you know people who consider themselves patriots. Uh, and uh, are trying to fight for freedom and find out what's going on in the world. And uh, and uh, they have theories about why we seem to be in a government that has seized so much control over our lives uh, that does not seem free to them. And I understand their feelings and emotions on the thing, but they are often extremely misguided. And I could go through a long litany of different groups and uh, we have a page on guru theories where there's always these guys who come up with these, uh, uh, you know, uh, rhetoric concerning the problems in America today. What What is the problem in America today? What's true? What's not true? And... Uh, they have a particular theory about it, and they put that theory out, and uh, they uh, are uh, trying to get other people to follow their theory, their conclusions. And uh, it's often, you know, over the years, it, it leads to absolute, utter disaster. But uh, I've tried to... Uh, you know, enlighten people, share with them my own research. We make it all available. We have our books available for free online. Uh, if you join the network, people will show you where that is. Um, we have hundreds of articles, uh, over a thousand recordings that go through these things in often minute detail. And we have sources, thousands upon thousands of footnotes where we show you where we're getting this, why we come to the conclusions that we come to. And uh, we tried to share them with you for free. Except for the one thing that uh, it is going to cost you, which it's going to cost you your delusions, your misconceptions, the untruths that you have accepted as true. And it is also probably going to be painful. I actually saw uh, one of my relatives talking about pain, and uh, she quoted uh, Rumi, uh, which is uh, an Eastern philosopher, let's say. 
and uh, he was talking about going to the pain, not being, not fleeing the pain, that the answer is in the pain. And, of course, I always told my kids when they were growing up, uh, based on my own conclusions, is that uh, when you're sick, go to the pain. Don't be afraid of it. Accept it. Feel it. Be aware of it. And, uh, you know, literally you can heal bones and cure sore throats and... Uh, Overcome COVID uh, because of the fact that when you're not afraid and when you're not angry, which fear and anger are the same thing, it's just different reactions, but it's the same process. Uh, one is fight, one is flight. But uh, when you're not angry and you're listen to the pain, listen to your own body, be aware of your own body in the moment, your body will function better. Because it's not burdened with fear and anxiety and pain and anger and all these things. I mean, even medical society says that if you have a better disposition, if you're, you know, laughter is the best medicine uh, because you're not angry or afraid if you're laughing. Or theoretically you're not. There actually can be a cause to laugh when you're afraid. Some people do. Some people laugh at funerals uh, because of the fact that they fear death. And laughter is a release of that fear in a not-so-malevolent form. But anyway, that's the psychology of it. But I, I saw them saying that, well, there's nothing more painful than the truth. And when you think you found it and you cling to it like a genie in a bottle, uh, you become subject to that idea, that belief, that thought, that uh, argument... And uh, it imprisons you as much as any other narrative out there. And uh, I was listening to the news before the program and people are talking about their schools and getting CRT out. And certain things were were set into motion, rules in the school about uh, education and things like this. Uh, a few years ago and parents are just finding out about it now and they're up in arms and that we have to clean up our schools and we have to get these radicals out of there and all this stuff. And, and yeah, that all may be true, but you're still swimming around in a preconceived notion that the idea of public school is anything but a socialist idea. Public education, by forcing your neighbor to provide the funds for that education through tax laws, by taxation, by use taxes on property, or by federal subsidies that come from either taxation or borrowing. Really, it almost all comes from borrowing. What they tax you is just goes to paying the interest on the debt that they've created because you've given them the power to create the debt uh, because you've given them power. I mean... Uh, the fellow I was going to talk about, I won't talk about him in detail because I haven't quite finished the page. I went back and looked at all my notes and his extensive notes. He said something that I find on dozens and dozens of patriot communities. I looked it up in the congressional record to find out where is the source of this statement of a man named Edward Mandel House. And... Uh, who was a you know assistant to Woodrow Wilson? He was he was kind of known as Colonel House all the time, but uh, 
And Woodrow Wilson was the president back, you know, in 1913, 1921 era. And uh, he was there when the 16th Amendment was passed, when the Federal Reserve was started. And uh, he even did make an announcement that he had betrayed his country because of evil powers working behind the scenes. <laughs> well, also, if you go to our article on schools as tools at Preparing You, we... We, uh, you know, I went through, this is one of the early articles that I wrote a long time ago. I home taught my kids because something led me to home teach my children. The same as I was led to go back and review my notes on Edward Mandel House. And, uh, the, the reason that I went back and, uh, did this is because that's what I was led to do because I follow that leading in my heart and my mind that comes to me usually in the morning when I wake up and uh, that sets the activity for the day. Now, that may change. used to be when I would go out, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning and I'd walk out the front door and I would stop for a moment and I'd hesitate, seemed to hesitate, as I pondered, which way do I go? Because I could go to the right, I could go straight ahead, I could go to the left, I could go back around the other side, and uh, there was work to be done. There was always work to be done somewhere. <laughs> but which work did I need to do first? And I would, I, I remember distinctly stopping and waiting and kind of standing there for a moment and turning my head a little bit to the right and as if I was listening to something and then I would turn and go one direction or another because that's what I felt I should do. And I've told stories about being lost at sea and lost in the Canadian North Woods and, or at least, as uh, Daniel Boone put it, might be bewildered at times because they asked him once if he was ever lost in all his explorations and he said, no. Not really. He was a might bewildered at times. <laughs> it's like the, I remember Eskimos who were on the tundra and they, there was some scientists who helicoptered into a spot to study the muskox and, and, uh, they were telling about the fact that they were, uh, they met these Eskimos that were wandering around on the tundra and the Eskimos asked them, if they had seen the Eskimo camp. And uh, the the scientists immediately asked the Eskimos, are you lost? And the Eskimos looked absolutely bewildered at the idea. And it says, no, we're not lost. The camp is lost. <laughs> so it's a matter of perspective as to are you lost or... Is it the camp that's lost? Is, are you lost or is the answer to your question lost to you? And of course that's what's going on with all these parents trying to figure out how to fix public education when public education is the problem. And way back in 1913 when Woodrow Wilson was the President of the United States there were men meeting, all the same men that you see 
when you're you're reading all these congressional reports, I mean, you know, there's right online now. It's amazing. You can get 500 pages of Colonel House's personal notes. You you can read them. They're all detailed out of his life and where he went. He was uh, an ambassador uh, after World War Two, or after excuse me, after World War One. To Paris peace talks. I mean, the guy got around. He was everywhere, and he knew all the all the parties and all the players of all the wealthy men back then. They weren't called billionaires back then. They were called millionaires. But with inflation, every old millionaire is what we would call a billionaire today. (laughs) So, uh, because inflation was inevitable when they instituted the Federal Reserve under Woodrow Wilson. But why was Woodrow Wilson even in power? Why was he even the president of the United States? It's because we had already abandoned the ways of Christ. We were no longer no longer following in the ways of Christ. And we had abandoned pure religion. And, of course, in the days to follow with people like FDR and LBJ and Bill Clinton and Obama and uh, George Bush or Trump, all these guys, all these guys take us farther and farther and farther away from the way of Christ. The attempt to fix your public school is going away from Christ because your public school is based on a covetous practice of forcing your neighbor and the other people in America and the children of your future to pay for your education. Is it any wonder that on the left everybody wants their student loans paid for? Not by the government. The government doesn't pay for anything. The government takes from your neighbor to provide you with benefits. It not only takes from your neighbor, but it takes from the future of your children. You curse your children with debt. Because your whole approach to life and the government and history is faulty. It is off the path of righteousness. I actually just heard this morning uh, when I was eating breakfast, uh, Babylon B has been uh, uh, canceled from Twitter, I, I guess again, and uh, because they of a, one of their satirical stories, and so they were guests on Prager uh, Prager's broadcast. I guess it's it's not really Prager U. They were just guests interviewed. And uh, they were talking with uh, uh, Prager, and he he's trying to find a solution by fixing, and he's got, actually got a book coming out where he talks about the real meaning of books like, you know, uh, Genesis, Exodus, and he mentioned Deuteronomy. Well, Deuteronomy 17, 16 talks about how to write a constitution. For your leaders. And, and it uses a word that 
what they're trying to do is, it's very clearly by the instructions, the five things you're supposed to put in a constitution, that their constitution was meant to restrict the power of the king, or ruler, or president, or prime minister, doesn't really matter, to restrict their power so that they do not take away your right to choose. Because if you take away your right to choose, you become a thing, a person, a piece of merchandise, a slave, entangled again in the bondage of Egypt. And of course, every every American, every U.S. citizen anyway, is in the bondage of Egypt again. The bondage of Egypt is 20% of your labor belonged to the government. That was the bondage of Egypt. You didn't really own your land. You didn't really own your livestock. You had a legal title to them, but you didn't own them. And, and therefore, you had to pay this tax to the government, which was theoretically at the beginning of this bondage of Egypt was 20% of your labor. And that would supposedly, you know, pay for the basics of the tax. We know that through some sort of crafts of that government that the burden became more grievous. But it still said, and it still said even under Mubarak, that you only owe 20% of what you earned in a given year to the government. One-fifth. That was the bondage of Egypt. If you owe anywhere near that in taxes today to the government, you're back in the bondage of Egypt. Now you think, well, if I elect this guy, things will change. If I elect that guy, things will change. But it won't. Because you're already engaged in the covetous practices that make you merchandise and curse your children. And those covetous practices, including coveting your neighbor's property. If your neighbor, I just shared a post on Facebook this last week of uh, uh, John Stossel talking about how homes have been taken away from people and sold. Uh, one guy owed $8.49 or something like that. <laughs> and his home was confiscated by the local government and sold at auction and they kept all the money. And uh, there was other people, and people say, you, do you really think that he <laughs> would not have paid the $8.49 if he owned it? Uh, if he knew he owed it? No, he would have. But he didn't know. And they, it wasn't in their interest to make him know, or to let him know. It was in their interest to take his property. And then they sold it to a holding company. I don't know if it was his or another lady's who they took her property but they they sold it to a holding company that made lots and lots of money off of buying these properties. And uh, it says the county didn't make any money. State didn't make any money off of the property. No, because they sold it at a tiny little amount to a holding company that did make all kinds of money off of it. And guess who owned the holding company? <laughs> People in government. All this went on while everybody was going to church and, and, and saying they love Jesus and that they believe in Jesus and that they're born again. Yet the governments they elect are workers of iniquity. 
Now, I'm not saying it wasn't legal what they did. and In many cases, it wasn't. And, of course, people are taking them to court. And, and, and these are not rare instances. I have seen this for over 20 years. Matter of fact, 20 years ago, I was working together with a guy from New York. And he was showing me how this all worked. And he was doing a deal where he was going out and trying to find, you know, because somebody would die. An old man would die. His taxes were behind because he was sick before he died or he was had Alzheimer's or what have you. And uh, he didn't pay all the taxes on all the property that he owned. And he dies. And the taxes are due. And the family doesn't even know that he owns the property. In some cases, they didn't even know he died. I mean, family could be, you know, nephews, uh, could be grandsons, and they didn't know that he owned this property. Now, the state knew, but they did not make any effort to find the true heirs to this guy's estate. They just confiscated the property and sold it. So what the fellow from New York was doing was... Finding these relatives. And he had to spend money and time and energy to find them. And so he said that if we can get you this property, will you pay us a finder's fee? Now, some wanted a finder's fee of 80%. Uh, he asked for, I think, like 20% or maybe a little bit more. I don't remember. Uh, to in, you know cover his costs and his time spent trying to find these people. But as I was learning how to do this, I was seeing state after state after state was barring you from accessing their databases to find the rightful heirs of the property. They were passing laws. Somebody was writing up these laws and passing them to bar you from accessing public documents which should be available for free. You should be able to access those for free. And then they were passing also these little writer laws that if you access these data sets to find the true owners of the property and then ask to be reimbursed a finder's fee. I mean, we did it with one lady who was in a mobile trailer living on Social Security down in Florida, and didn't know, I mean, she was with her husband when he died, but then she moved down there. She didn't know he owned these other properties. And his bookwork wasn't that good, and none of his family figured it out. We figured it out. We figured out where she was. We notified her that we could possibly get her some of that estate if we could get 20% of the uh, finder's fee of finding and, and arranging this. And she got a check for, I think, $120,000 uh, because she was able to uh, obtain that property, sell it, and then get the profit from it rather than the state comment. Now, the state was already in the process of getting ready to sell it, but in some states, you have the right to go back you know, they, even if they sell it, you have a right to redeem it within a year after they sell it. Other states, the rules are a lot uh, less benevolent, and they actually cancel your title before they even sell it. But the point is, if we made a profit from that, they could come after us 
because they passed these laws. They were doing it all over the United States at the same time. How were everybody getting the same idea to do this? Well, evil was afoot, but everybody else was going to church. So what's the solution? We'll talk about that when we come back. So welcome back to Keys to the Kingdom. So what are the keys to the kingdom? How do we find it? Well, in my house article that I'm still putting together, and again, I'm just going to make rough references to it. I mean, he talks in his quote about uh, all kinds of things, talking about having to register your biological property be uh, and become the chattel of these wealthy men who were controlling government. Uh, using the word chattel, and forever to remain economic slaves. Uh, and he, he's supposedly laying out his plan. And, of course, this this just riles people up to see all this uh, reference uh, to making them chattel slavery and, and keeping them in constant debt. And, you know, I look at the quote, so I said, you know, something doesn't sound right, you know. Same as when I walk outside the door and decide which way God wants me to go or what what he wants me to look up or what he wants me to write about today. <laughs> uh, yesterday I was stuck in here all day writing and writing and and uh, and looking up things. And I, I'd never be able to find all the things that I find if I wasn't continuously trying to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling me in my heart and mind. And as I'm getting older, <laughs> that's... A, that voice is sometimes becoming stronger and all the other things that used to pull my passions become weaker. The, the reality is, is this, this references that he's making, uh, just didn't seem right. So I tried to find out where's the proof he actually said this. And I could not find it. And all these, you know, congressional records, I found the quote. Over and over and over again in the congressional record and in books and uh, databases uh, that, uh, you know, scholars use. And uh, I could actually get access to more if I paid for it, but uh, I, I'm i not led to pay for it. I'm led to find where God t- shows me where to look. And But the reality is, is I can't find any evidence that he actually said it. And when I read it, there's all kinds of things that in it that just don't doesn't seem right. They're not timely statements. They're not the way people were talking then. But there is truth in it. There is some truth in it. But it's the lack of truth that the the missing facts that lead you astray. Just like all the people that are trying to fix public education, they're trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, if I may. Use that ancient metaphor because that's not the the problem is public education itself is based on a covetous practice. It's going it's it's you're treating it like they treat COVID. <laughs> Always having trouble breathing. Let's put a ventilator down them and uh, damage his lungs even more. And, uh, you know, so the reality is, is that you don't treat the symptoms, you find the cause. And like I say, the cause wasn't uh, Colonel House, it wasn't even Woodrow Wilson. The cause began a long time before Woodrow Wilson. I mean, how did Woodrow Wilson even get into power? He was the least, most popular candidate 
running for presidency when he was elected. He was the least popular of the three guys running for president. But he won. Why did he win? Because the opposition, the I guess you could call them the left back then, um, they were united against the other two guys running, which was, uh, well, the reason two guys were running, it was this was the beginning of the Bull Moose Party. We actually have somebody in this county who goes in and registers to vote in the Bull Moose Party every year. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the guy, but I, I think that's humorous, but he insists that the party does exist. I, I could almost guarantee you 90% of the people in uh, this county haven't got a clue what the Bull Moose Party even was. But it's Theodore Roosevelt who didn't get the nomination. He was kind of the Trump of his times. And he was hated by his own party at times, or the people who controlled his party. And so he started his own party, the the Bull Moose Party. And he was going to fix everything, you know, and everybody thought him to be the savior. And what it did was split the vote of the average American, so the guy who was least popular got <laughs> And according to his own words, he betrayed America. <laughs> but uh, uh, the... But what is the actual motivating spirit behind that fiasco? Why were, why, what was going on already in America way back then that allowed us to be so vulnerable? Well, you could go back 50 years before. You could go back to the, the theoretical ratification of the Constitution of the United States, which was by most historians illegally ratified. Now it's become the Constitution of the United States. But that's through acquiescence and and usage and uh, compliance. Those who opposed it eventually complied. But it wasn't a popular thing amongst the people and would have been voted down because we the people didn't include the people. See, that that's another falsehood that we hold in our head that we the people refers to all the citizens of the United States all the citizens of the United States did not exist as citizens of the United States when the constitution was introduced that was an agreement between the states and we the people were the names at the bottom of the page now those names have increased but it's increased because you began to engage in practices that were contrary to the way of Christ. When you went out in the morning, you did not listen to the Holy Spirit. You listened to your own vanity, your own greed, your own wantonness, and you made the wrong turn in history. Your, your grandparents, great-grandparents did. Now, that may be painful to know, but that's the truth. And you're still making the wrong turn. Or or maybe you're just born on this other path. And you think, oh, well, this is the way we do it. I've heard that so many times, even from some of my own uh, brothers. Well, this is the way we do it. And, of course, I explained to them. <laughs> you know, that's what a cannibal says. Well, he's uh, sucking the marrow out of some poor missionary's bones. Well, this is the way we've always done it. <laughs> 
how is that an argument for morality? No, no, that is, that is not the answer. And, you know, I put a few Bible quotes in this article as I, I was writing it. And we'll go over it in, in a great deal more detail. But there's so many, the point is there are so many different ideas that we have accepted to be true that just ain't so, as Mark Twain would put it, that it is painful to repent, to think differently. Because in order to think differently, you must accept the idea that what you thought yesterday is not true. That's painful, but you have to go to the pain. You have to be willing to see the truth. We know this is a common characteristic on the so-called left. There is no left or right in the kingdom. There's only righteousness. But in in this world, we have a left and a right. Both the left and right are way over on the left today. <laughs> but, but fortunately, we live on a round planet, so they keep going to the left. Now, some people are probably signing off because they think the world is flat. And, and I've never been to outer space. As soon as I get to outer space and look back, I'll let you know what I see. But I, like I say, I, it feels round when I walk out of the door in the morning. <laughs> Felt round when I climbed to the top of Mount Whitney and looked out and could see all the way to Utah. Um, but, you know, what do I know? I think it's, I think it's round. But that's my opinion. And if you want to cancel me for it, <laughs> then that's the spirit that you see on the left that wants to cancel and censor everybody. I believe there's freedom of speech and freedom of opinion in the kingdom of God. But, you know, there, there were ancient, um, uh, prophets who, uh, or maybe I shouldn't call them prophets. Maybe I should call them, uh, uh, what, 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 uh, philosophers. Yeah, that would be a good name, philosopher. They're ancient philosophers who divided all knowledge into two distinct groups. One was opinions, and the other one was the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm fond of saying that when I was teaching my kids, they came up with the idea that you have an opinion, I have an opinion. But God, whoever God is, his opinion is reality. I have an opinion of reality. You have an opinion of reality. I have an opinion of the truth. You have an opinion of the truth. But God's opinion of the truth is the truth. And that's what this philosopher was saying. He had already made the distinction that that cold is simply the absence of heat and darkness is simply the absence of light. And your opinion is simply the absence of the truth. (laughs) And you will only have the truth if you submit to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is not a covetous spirit. Uh, It is not a selfish spirit. It is not a spirit that takes away choice from people. It's a spirit that gives choice to people. You have choice. But you also have the consequences of that choice built in. 
And we were making choices long before 1913, back before 1813, that were leading us away from Christ. So there's a lot of repenting that we needed. We needed it back in the 1800s, and we needed it back in the early 1900s, and we need it now in the 21st century. We need to repent. We need to think differently. In order to think differently, you have to be willing to see that what you already think is true is not so. And that can be painful because we use our opinion as a life preserver in a world of chaos. But everything starts to come into order if you are willing to see the truth. And... Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, and even as thy soul prospereth. So this is why I started going back and looking at this Edward Mendel House quote, which I've seen many, many, many times. But I see it also, because I've been at this for over half a century. I've seen so many lives destroyed, even... Way back when I was a teenager, I saw on the TV somebody who thought, I don't owe taxes, and the sheriff was dragging him off his property. And, and he says, I, I own this land. This was way back, you know. I mean, this is like 60 years ago. <laughs> uh, and I saw his face. That's what I can still remember his face in his eyes as they were grabbing him and pulling him. And he was trying to cling to the land he believed he owned. And he doesn't own it. I I wouldn't know that he didn't own it for another 10, 15 years. But all it took was looking up the definition of a legal title. And I realized, oh my gosh, you don't own it. That's what the definition says. <laughs> if you have legal title to a property, you don't own the beneficial use of that property. That's in the definition. It's not a secret. But people think they, now they think they own the schools. (laughs) Our schools. You're not, you don't own your schools. Your government owns you and the school. (laughs) And it owns your neighbor. And it says, if you will continue to covet your neighbor's goods through the power of our government, we will give you a free school and free education for your children. And we will even pay your student loans off. <laughs> and everybody says, yeah, I'll eat some of that pie. But no, those who want to know the truth are willing to see the truth. So, I also quoted in the article, and it's not finished, so I'm not going to, we're not going to go through the, the, the uh, revelations that I have on it, we're going to actually go to Romans and take a, another look at Romans because I've done a lot of work over there too uh, because people don't understand Romans 13 and one of the reasons why is they don't understand Romans 9, 10, 11, and 12. <laughs> so, And I've done recordings on them before, but I, I've also written dozens and maybe hundreds of articles uh, that explain a lot of things, and I wrote them since I did Romans. So um, we may go back and review Romans, depending on how the Spirit moves me during this show. But in Proverbs thirteen seventeen, it says, A wicked messenger 
falleth into mischief. But a faithful ambassador is health. So you have to decide who the wicked messenger is. Anybody who tells you, and this actually somebody told me this this week, that the Constitution, at least it's a biblical document. And, you know, like when I, I hear people say that, I go, I'm go i like, it's deer in the headlight. You know, like I'm stunned. Like, what? <laughs> no, no, that's not actually a biblical document. Except if you want to count, the wicked messenger falleth into mischief. <laughs> because uh, it's not. And this is why I mentioned Prager. He's, and, and I don't know, he hasn't written it yet, but he says he's going to write it, a book on the real meaning of Deuteronomy. And I, I wanted to write him this morning and say, so how do you handle Deuteronomy 1760? <laughs> I think it's 1760, it could be 1617, uh, but I think it's 1716. Anyway, you go, you go look up at Preparing You, we go through it in detail. Because it tells you the five things you have to put in a constitution. Only one of them appears in the constitution. And we know over the last 10, 15 years that they ignore it. They don't do anything about it. They don't even keep their own rules. They sign it. They apply for it. But they don't keep their own rules. So what is the solution? Well, I found that this morning. Uh, just jumped out at me in Matthew 23, 8. It tells us. But... Be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Now, this is Jesus saying this. He says, one is your master, even Christ. Now, the word even is actually added by the translators. It just says, one is your master, Christ. Christ wasn't Jesus' name. Christ means anointed. That's what it means. That's, that's, that's the meaning of the word. You need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. And to receive that anointing can be a little bit painful. Actually, when it actually is the Holy Spirit, it's not painful. But before you get to the point where you can receive that anointing, there's going to be some pain. That's just the way it is. So, uh, the word there that you see uh, translated rabbi uh, is translated rabbi five times. But nine times it's uh, translated master. And it is the Hebrew word rabbi. I think it's resh be it. It's written a number of different ways because they add letters at different times to put in different meanings. But, of course, we're reading it in the Greek. We're not reading it in the original Hebrew. But that original Hebrew uh, word uh, appears lots of times, but with other letters added in different verses to slightly skew the meaning for a particular reason. But if you don't know that, you, then you're dependent upon the translators for your your answer. But the word Christ, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit in order to know what to do. I mean, there's so much mischief in the information that is available to you. So much 
so much lies that have hemmed you in. And that's why I mentioned our article on schools as tools, because during this same period of time, according to uh, reports in the congressional record also, based on the Reese Commission, that men were meeting, uh, men who knew Woodrow Wilson and, and, and Colonel House were meeting from all these other players, which I went through and reading his private papers, and he was, he was talking with these people, meeting with these people, so that's a real thing. Uh, they were trying to decide how to change the Americans view, the average American's view of history. Now, now you have to realize that people like Edward Mendel House read Marx. They they thought he had a lot of real good ideas. Uh, they were they were followers of some of his philosophies. And they wanted to figure out how to change the way in which Americans viewed history to mold them into virtually a communist state. And we, we've chronicled a lot of these events, and people, you know, but people don't even know what communism is. 75% of the kids that graduate from high school in America think that socialism is a good idea. And all communism is, is socialism on steroids. It's a centralization of power. But of course, Woodrow Wilson, elected to this powerful position, was able to usher in a lot of things. Because you had already abandoned the ways of Christ. And you were already in the stages, and had been for over a hundred years. The stages that Samuel talks about in 1 Samuel 8. You were to the point where the government was taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. It was going to get worse from 1913 on, but it was already in place. And, you know, by 1910, still most people were not educated in public education and most public education was funded mostly by private contributions the cost of what we call public schools was mostly provided by contributions it wasn't provided by taxing people all that has come about in the subsequent generations we've been in bondage for well over a hundred years that bondage is increased and now people are feeling the sting of it. But the solution is the truth. And the truth stings too. And uh, you need to look at things differently and go a different way. So like I said, we're going to take a look at Romans. So we might as well get into that and uh, see where we're at. Uh, and I... I was thinking about starting with Romans 10, but there's always, I could go back to Romans 9, 8, 7, 6. <laughs> we go back to the beginning. But basically, in the beginning, Paul is writing Romans. He's writing Romans who have begun to follow the way. 
And, and of course, we've given you lots of quotes of Romans and other Greeks who were in Rome who were seeing there was a serious, serious problem with the idea of getting benefits from a government of authority. Way back 150 years before Christ's birth, Polybius was saying that the masses were going to become accustomed to living at the expense of others, and that would degenerate them. But we'll talk about that, and we'll get heavily into Romans when we come back to Keys to the Kingdom after this brief break. But put on your repentance hat. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, so we're going to look at Romans. And uh, Romans was written to Romans who had become Christians. Most Christians at that time were probably Jews. Uh, most of those Jews were probably people that had thought like the Essenes and favored the ways of the Essenes. and Because the Essenes were probably the closest uh, religious or political group to what Christ was saying at that time. I mean, again, the Essenes were not a homogeneous group. They were all kinds of different Essenes, and none of them even called themselves Essenes. That's the name that was put on people that had this particular way of thinking. Now, since most of the people who became Christian were Jews, and many of them were already in Rome... Because Christ was known of all over the world. He was known, you know, that, that known world at the time. He was known in Rome. Uh, there were evidently letters that came from Tiberius uh, to his uh, favorite son-in-law, uh, Pontius Pilate, who was married to his favorite granddaughter. Uh, concerning, the letters went back and forth to that wife of Pontius Pilate to to uh, Tiberius, and uh, we're talking about Jesus, this this miraculous healer, because she believed that he was a man of God. And uh, some people tell a different story, but if you go back in the historical records, that seems to be the most plausible because of the way in which Pontius Pilate and, and his wife were uh, treated by early Christians, and they treated early Christians coming to their defense. He's even considered a saint amongst the Eastern Orthodox. So, but it's not always clear exactly what happened in those days because a lot of the records have been lost. But just looking at the Bible, there's clear evidence that a lot of people consider Jesus to be a special sort of guy from the get-go, both Jew and Romans. We see that in in the text. Roman centurion recognized Jesus, had more faith than almost anybody Jesus had met, and he'd already picked some of his apostles. So, what was going on in Rome was the result of you know, what Polybius saw coming on the scene 150 years before Jesus, almost 100 years before the first Caesar, he saw that the masses had developed an appetite for benefits and had become accustomed to receiving them 
at the expense of their neighbor. And this was degenerating society. And he said it would degenerate the society even more until they became perfect savages, finding once more a monarch and a king. You know, tyrants would come as the people began to depend upon government that exercised authority for their benefits, which is why Christ forbid us to do that. Over and over again, he forbids us to do that. To go to men who exercise authority one over the other for the purposes of obtaining free stuff, benefits. We weren't supposed to do that. In that that same quote that I just gave you in Matthew about calling no man master, uh, it says rabbi, but the word rabbi is more often translated into the word master, ruler, someone who could exercise authority over you, that you should only have one master, and that is Christ, meaning the anointing of that Holy Spirit. That just should be telling you what to do and what not to do. If you don't listen to that, you will find it more and more difficult to hear that. The very next verse, after Jesus makes that statement, that they are brethren if they receive that Holy Spirit, if they receive that anointing, that Christ, and that is the master of their day-to-day ministration in life. The very next quote, he says, And call no man your father upon the earth, using a Latin word for father, pater, which is, even though the text is written in Greek, we see the Latin word pater. Call no man pater. Well, who was called pater at that time? All the senators of Rome were called pater. Uh, pater Cicero. You know, pater Seneca. They were called in the Latin language conscripted fathers. Conscripti patri. We have all kinds of articles showing this. And what has happened in America as we have made the government our father. And our actual fathers have been, you know, kicked out, removed, restricted, and they don't have power. They don't have what the Romans called the imperium, the potestas, the right to decide for our family. We don't even have real inheritance tax. All our... All that you inherited get inherited can be taken from you by your real father, which is the state. And this is why Jesus is saying, For one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called master. See, now he's talking to his apostles. For one is your master, even Christ. So, The apostles were supposed to listen to the Holy Spirit. We were all supposed to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we were not to make men upon the earth our fathers. Of course, we have our natural fathers as we're growing up. And we still should honor our father and our mother, which means to take care of our father and our mother. Honor means to 
fatten, to take care of, to provide for. We don't do that. The government does that. And we haven't done that really since 1933. Now, some of you help a little bit, but I know people who say that, you know, they're living at home with their mother or their father or both parents because they're there to take care of them. And what's really happening is their parents are paying all the bills and taking care of them. And yet, they think, well, uh, you know, I need to take care. Well, now, I know there's a lot of individual cases here. But we have so many ideas that are just wrong that we have to rethink things. And, and he also goes, and he says this in other places, but he that is greatest amongst you shall be your servant. And whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisee hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. And the reality is, is he said at the beginning of his ministry that he was going to take the kingdom away from those scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. And set the people free. But that was only going to set the people free who took back their responsibilities, who repented and began to realize that we can't be calling other men master and giving them the power to take away from our neighbors so that we can have free stuff. And Americans have accepted that, just like Polybius warned, that you would become accustomed to it. And so we, we write article after article, do recording after recording, showing you that you need to repent and turn around and go the other way. And so what does that other way look like? You're, you're those Eskimos on the tundras trying to find your camp. Because your camp is lost. But the truth is, you're lost. The camp that you need to find is the truth. And the truth has been there all along. But we have just spent the last 200 years going away from it. Going more and more into bondage. Now Rome eventually fell and collapsed. And for a thousand years after the fall of Jerusalem, all over the Roman Empire, people were free. They were free souls under God. And they were very successful. Uh, there was a point there where there was some climate change <laughs> in, in around 540 A.D. And, and that really thinned out the people. But Christians actually did fairly well through that as well. Because they were following the way. They were organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. We give you stories in 600 A.D. how they stopped kings from rising up. Charlemagne kept running into these Christians. Even the the Pope ran into these Christians. And, he, of course, he tried to say they weren't real Christians. But they remained a free people. Because they they had created the social bonds of a free society by following the way of Jesus Christ. Now, what happened in Rome, which is why there needed to be a letter to the Romans, was 14,000 men in their families 
were suddenly cast out of Rome. There's only like a hundred thousand people in Rome at the time. Might have been a little bit more. Uh, but they're, they're saying that these thousands of people, it may have been 14,000 men and their family. It may have been 14,000 people, which would be like 1,400 men and their families were cast out. Difficult to tell by reading the historical records. <laughs> so, uh, but certainly thousands of people suddenly had to pack up, leave their homes, and I don't know what this did to property values, but if they own homes, they had to sell them. They could maybe turn them into rentals. I don't know. They needed they needed to be very friendly with the Romans who were not cast out because it was only Jews who were cast out and it was probably only Jews who were becoming Christians were being cast out. We know Christians were all over Rome proper before uh, Peter supposedly ever got there before even Paul got there because when Paul got there his family was already there his extended family was already there and uh, we've told that story we won't go into all that but uh, ye fool and blind for whether is greater the gift or the altar that uh, sanctifieth the gift what does it mean to sanctify a gift is, is to make it separate. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. So, why is he talking about all this swearing? Why is he saying that they're fools? You know, he had said, Woe unto you, ye blind guides. That's what he was talking to these these scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. Uh, who swear by the temple. And he says it's nothing. And, and he warns us to swear not at all. And... Uh, above all, James says, stop the taking of oaths. You can't even become a part of the United States without taking an oath. <laughs> so, so how is that biblical? The reality is the Christians were separate. And that's what sanctify means. They were sanctified. And it was legal for them to be separate. From the world. But it meant that they had to have a daily ministration to take care of the needy of society because they couldn't go and get the free bread of Rome. Like modern Christians do. They go and, they go to men who exercise authority to get their free bread. And the Jews were not Romans, so the Romans said, well, kick the Jews out. They couldn't kick the Romans out who were following this way. And so there was a large contingency of Romans who were following the way. Now, you have to re- realize that all the temples were government buildings. That religion, they knew back then, religion, threskia, was what you do to provide for the needy of your society because religion was the pious performance, pious having to do with the fatherly 
performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. To God who says to care about one another and be attenders of the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Romans all were big on that. That's why the Roman centurion saw, you know, at least part of why he saw this, the nature of Christ, because Christ emphasized law, judgment, mercy, and faith, faith, and called them the weightier matters. But the modern Christian thinks that the weightier matters are singing in church while my neighbor's house is stolen by the government that I elected. While my neighbor's property is taxed so that I can have free education. Such mischief. Such distant you are from the way of Christ. That's what Christianity was called, the way. Well, these Romans were following the way and they could do that legally because they had another king, one Jesus. And they went to his way to provide for their social welfare. Not the free bread of the Roman Caesars, but the free bread of Christ that was rightly divided from house to house by a network of Christians. Now suddenly, all those Romans saw saw these Jewish Christians fleeing Rome. I mean, they were exiled out of Rome. They had to leave. They had to go out. And they had to fend for themselves. Fortunately, all over the Roman Empire, there was already a network of Christians. We know that based on what we see Paul doing and Barnabas doing and Timothy doing. These were getting to be hard times. There were these dirts that were passing through that are mentioned in Acts. And, And Paul and Barnabas are going and bringing them relief funds. And food. Loading up the ship and taking food. And then then they had to lose it in that one shipwreck. They lost a lot of it. But then they still were able, because they were still a part of this network that scared the Roman emperors. They actually said they were frightened by the Christians because of their union and discipline. Today, Christians are not united. They weren't united when the Bull Moose Party was running. And besides that, Christians were only like 5% of the Roman Empire, yet they altered the course of history. So that even Constantine tried to emulate them by creating the Church of Constantine. And that did many of the same things that Christians did. But they didn't necessarily repent like the Christians did and eventually created a whole network of churches calling themselves Christians that are actually harlots, that actually go to the men who exercise authority to get their protection and power. They don't go to the Holy Spirit. And almost all your Christian faiths are based on not going back to Christ. And what Christ actually said to the doctrines of Christ. The the doctrines of Christ that the Romans understood. So when you hear Paul writing the Romans, you need to understand, who's he talking to? He may not be talking to you. You may be listed amongst the scribes and the Pharisees and hypocrites who take these oaths and have set up a system of Corban 
that was making the word of God to none effect. And we explain all this on the website. If you go to the website, I, I go back to uh, almost anywhere. I've been going through page after page and linking these articles that we wrote years ago to all the other new articles that are backup information, backup footnotes that show you that if you're not living by faith, hope, and charity, if you're living by and, and become accustomed to living by the gifts, gratuities, and benefits of men who exercise authority, you're not following Christ. You're actually a worker of iniquity. You actually have become merchandise, possessions of the state. Those human resources that supposedly Colonel House was talking about. You become that. The quote is great, but I just don't think it's true. Uh, and like I say, reading it and knowing, having read thousands of documents written at that time by some of these same people, I can look at that quote and say uh, the verbiage is... The phrases are not what he would write. This is why, you know, you, you know, we've gone through studies, all kinds of studies. You can listen to the other recordings on Romans that, uh, and, and the other epistles is, you know, Paul wrote in a unique fashion. John wrote in a unique fashion. And, uh, and you can actually look at the Greek and say, that doesn't sound like Paul. That sounds like somebody else wrote this. Yet the book is attribu- or the epistle is attributed to Paul. And you know, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be in the Bible. And I'm not saying that Paul didn't read it and say, "Yeah, send that out." Because we know that they did those things. Paul was busy actually doing what Christ said, not like your your ministers today. He was actually doing what Christ said. So anyway, I have it all laid out and I put in the side panel a lot of these different quotes that uh, we need to uh, re-examine. But I also went back to even our article on Lady Godiva. Lady Godiva was a saint. She's considered the patron saint of architects. Uh, Why would a woman who stripped off her clothes and rode down the street be considered a... Patron saint of architects. Well, in my opinion, because she never stripped off her clothes. <laughs> she, that's not the story. That story appeared over a hundred years. The first time you can find a copy of that story, it's a hundred years after she died. And in my opinion, it was written by a monk with way too much time on his hands. And why? Because she was opposed to making a tax to provide the social welfare for the people. That's a thousand years ago. She was opposed to the government imposing a tax on the people to provide welfare and benefits for the people. She said it would destroy Christianity. It would destroy both the government and the people. It would make the government too powerful and the people too weak. Which is exactly what Polybius had said. It's exactly what John the Baptist was saying. You don't do it by force. 
You do it by charity. If you're depending on a government that exercises a force to provide you with free benefits of welfare, social security, or what have you, you're not following Christ. And people knew that. Davy Crockett knew it. <laughs> Lady Godiva knew it. So I've added to our page on Lady Godiva. She's she's pictured on the front of the Free Church Report. Fully clothed. Because that wasn't what the story is about. They wanted to get you to think differently. They were trying to alter the way in which you think about Christianity and government. And over the hundred years following Lady Godiva, they did that. Over the hundred years before the people found America, they were doing that. They were altering the way you viewed history. And Mendel and Carnegie and all these other people, the Guggenheim Foundation, all got together and tried to alter the way that you viewed history long before critical race theory came along. You want to get back to the old normal. The old normal brought you the new normal. I want to get you back to Christ, to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the way of Christ is the way to do that. And the way of Christ was to take care of one another through fervent charity. Not legal charity. A common theme that I keep going back to, trying to get people to see. And so I write all this evidence down so that you can see it. So you can examine it yourselves. And know that it is true. And so, I'm not going to actually start at Romans 9. Or we won't get anywhere. But uh, there are lots of links on the, on the right hand side and even in the text to other articles. You really, if you can't just see it, study it. But you don't study to show yourself approved. Because the word they translate into study there in the text is not the word for study. It's not translated study anywhere else in the Bible. It It is the word for be diligent, which is what Christ repeated over and over again in the modern church says, oh no, you don't have to. There's nothing you do. It's all done for you. But that's not what Jesus said. You had to be a doer of the word. Why call me Lord and not keep my commandments? James says that's how you can tell who is a real Christian, by what they're doing. But the modern church says, oh, you don't have to do anything. You just think a thought and you can save yourself with your thoughts. No, you can't. You have to repent of the thoughts you had and start having the thought that Christ gave us through the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we're looking at Romans 10 here and trying to get it a feel for what Paul was really talking about when he wrote these Romans who had become Christians and had been with a community of Jewish people who had also become Christians. And then thousands of them were kicked out of Rome because they were causing 
a problem. What was the problem? People were stopping their contributions to the temples of Rome and starting to contribute to the temple of Jesus Christ, which was made out of living stones that were actually rightly dividing the bread from house to house and not compelling the offerings of the people that if you owed 10% to God, which is not really what tithing is all about, but say you owed 10% to God, and that was your, you thought, you felt that was your tithing. And you came to the minister you chose, and you said you wanted to tithe to him what you felt you owed. And he said, fine. But then you said, but I don't have the money. He says, well, what can you pay? He said, oh, I can only pay this much. He says, that's okay. Pay that. And you're considered paid in full, and you're still a part of our congregations. You're still a part of our network of charity, and we will still rightly divide the bread amongst your house because we see you as a willing participant in the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And Christ had explained that. This is, this is the good servant. Because he told, just told all his, his disciples that they were to be servants. He used to be greatest among you, used to be servants. And he explained how the good servant forgave the debts. And he created appreciation amongst those that he forgave the debts. And this is creating the social bonds of a free society. Because you're not forcing the offerings of your neighbor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking. I could go into some recent things in a nearby valley that I just heard about people. They get so that they just think that everybody should give them free stuff. <laughs> They're looking, mostly we have volunteer fire departments here. Very few of them are paid. We do have a few, and we have volunteer ambulances. We do have, in some of the valleys around about, not in Summer Lake, we have ambulances that are actually the result of the tax rolls. Uh, but still they get a lot of donations. And, uh, but anyway, uh, the reality, the more you move towards that fervent charity and away from the idea of forcing your neighbor, the more you will create those social bonds that will help you survive the dearths that are coming in America. Of course, you can't do it with the hopes of getting some kind of leverage against God. You have to do it out of love. That's what fervent charity means. But the very first line of Romans 10, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Wait a minute. I thought they were already saved because they believe. <laughs> no, he says might be saved. Well, who else said might be saved? John 3.17, which is real near John 3.16. <laughs> <laughs> For God sent not his son into the world, into the constitutional order and system of government, because that's the word that we see there, to condemn the world, but that 
the world through him might be saved. That's the Roman world. That's the Greek world. The Corinthian world. We wanted them all to be saved. Just like God wanted Cain to be saved. You know, they were following the ways of Cain. He wanted them to be saved. But they couldn't be saved by thinking a thought. They had to become doers of the word. And they had to be born again from above. And if they were, if you wanted to know if they were really born again from above, all you had to do is ask them what date that was, and they will tell you. (laughs) No, it doesn't say that. It says that you know they were not born again from above. They were not born again. If they were still workers of iniquity. So Paul's writing the Romans and saying the same thing. We see the same thing in John 5.34. But I received not the testimony from man. In other words, I didn't, I didn't just accept the fact that they said, yeah, I'm born again. <laughs> but these things I say that ye might be saved. So you can go read the rest of that. I have links on the page there. Or you can go to John 5.34 and read it in the context. But we won't get anywhere in this review. And this, we already have recordings up. But I'm just saying that I've added a lot more to this page. Just like I did to the Lady Godiva page and to the Guru page. And to, I, I can't even remember all the pages. I could pull that up and show you all the pages that I've added links to. The Atheist page. All the, you know, most Christians were accused of being atheists that was one of the crimes they were charged with because they they believed in an invisible god and the romans well we got visible gods how come you don't believe in any of those i mean christians were persecuted because they would not sign up at the temples of rome and they said well that they were pagan temples well what made them pagan well, they provided free bread. They took care of the needy of society. They also kept records. Some of them kept records. Some of them minted coin. They're just government buildings. We call them temples. You want to see temples? Go to Washington, D.C. They're all over the place. Temples, 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 temples. The IRS office is a temple. Social Security office is a temple. <laughs> Treasury office, that's a temple. All these are temples. That you go down to the welfare office and get your free bread from men who exercise authority. One over the other. I, two people I know that having a heck of a time, uh, they, you, you can't tell them anything. They know it all already. Uh, but they're both going around buying everything they need with EBT cards. And they, they went into a store the other day and, uh, uh, finally one of them came out carrying nothing. Didn't have anything. And all these people were waiting for them because they were on a, a, a state bus or I don't know if it's state. It's it's funded by somebody. But uh, you can pay and ride the bus or you can get on for free <laughs> if there's room. But anyway, that, so they're... They they went into town on the bus and they she was in they always are late on getting back on the bus. I know people who help these old people, but uh, they finally come out. And she has nothing. 
Everybody's been waiting and waiting and waiting. And she comes out and she hasn't bought anything. And says, well, he's getting it, her husband. So he comes out and he has got nothing. <laughs> and evidently there wasn't enough money left on his EBT card to buy it. So then she had to go in and use her EBT card too to buy it. And they still didn't have enough and had to take some of the stuff back. Which I'm sure they didn't take it back. They just left it for the person <laughs> at the till to take it back. But they think they're Christians. They think they're saved. But uh, now they're finding their EBT cards aren't going as far because of inflation. And they may actually start fasting soon. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, we would help them out. But they have to be willing to start seeing the truth. We can't help. We cannot weaken the poor. Social Security, uh, EBT cards, welfare, all this stuff has weakened the poor. They can't even manage basic things anymore. So anyway, verse 2, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Which would include not coveting your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority one over the other, but call themselves benefactors. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, what did he talk about? Now, this is a big problem in Romans with the law. Well, they're talking about the law of Rome and the law of the Pharisees. They, they had both set up systems of Corban, Q-O-R-B-A-N or C-O-R-B-A-N, depending on what part of the country you're in. Uh, the imperial cult of Rome, that's what it was doing. You signed up with the Roman temple. And you got welfare. You got the free bread of Rome. You got a little tessera, EBT tessera, <laughs> clay, clay coin that you could show when they were giving out free bread and they'd give you free bread. Because you were a member. You had your EBT tessera. But then when there was no bread, the people rioted. And they were perfect savages already, so rioting is okay. But the Christians didn't go get those things anyway. They had a system not operating on oaths and registration. I added to our page on registration. You can look up registration at preparing you. I I I should pull that up just to tell you how many footnotes are in. <laughs> I think there's I think there's over fifty footnotes where I'm quoting the actual laws, which is part of the the Colonel Houses thing, registrating the people. And of course, everybody's registered now. Everybody has signed, taken the oaths, and are now eligible for the free benefits, the free bread of Rome, the welfare of Rome. They're all members of the imperial cult of Rome, but they say they're Christians, but not according to the knowledge of God. 
because they think it's okay to covet their neighbor's goods. Their ministers are down at the, you know, welfare office, social security office, the EBT card office, whatever. I think that's a state EBT card. I don't know how it works exactly. <laughs> I could research it, but uh, I'm trying to get you to figure out how the kingdom of God works. And and how important it is that you become fervent members of Christ. Not members of me. You don't have to register with me. But you need to organize yourselves. That's what Christ commanded. Organize yourselves in ranks upon ranks, it says. In the text. But you have to read it in the Greek. But that's what it says. It repeats that. Of tens. Fifties and thousands. Why tens, fifties, and thousands? Because it's, it's, it was five thousand men and their families. And ten times a hundred times fifty. <laughs> Get the drift? Get how it works? Tens, hundreds, and fifties. If it was ten thousand men and their families, <laughs> it'd be just tens, hundreds, and thousands. You know, but he's, he's saying in the Greek to organize yourselves in these ranks, this network, so that there can be a proper distribution uh, to the needy of your society in a way that strengthens them. Do you know how to do that? Because that's what creates the social bonds of a free society. And that's what he's telling the Romans He's explaining the way of Christ who shall descend into the deep that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. Christ, the anointing again from the dead. Because those people with their EBD cards, they can't see it at all. I mean, I've I've sat and talked with them. They, they don't get it. They don't want to hear it. Now, I I pray, just like Paul, that they might be saved. But, you know, Jesus has quite a few little parables about shutting the door and saying, sorry, you're out, not letting you in. Knock, 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 let us in, let us in. No, not, not opening the door. You're out, foolish virgins. Can't come in. You're out there with the wolves because you choose to be a wolf. You want to drink the milk, but you know the wolf ate somebody else's blood and meat to produce the milk you got. That's Rome. You're Romans, not Christian Romans, Roman Romans. Because you've made Rome your father. You've joined the imperial cult of Rome. I, I heard a minister the other day. He was writing or speaking. And they, somebody sent me a link and I went to his page. And he was saying there's no tithing in the New Church and the New Testament church. That all these institutional churches, they're all false prophets. And he names, you know, uh, Joe Olstein and, and what's the guy's name? Dollar. And uh, I always thought that was funny. The preacher's name is Dollar. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, that that he's saying there's no tithing. 
and says, well, there's no tithing in your church because you go to men who exercise authority one over the other to get your benefits. And I, I wrote a whole little thing while listening to him. I write it on my phone. And uh, uh, the thing is, is by eating at the table of the fathers of the earth and the benefactors who exercise authority in order to get the wages of unrighteousness that the Bible talks about, the reward rewards of unrighteousness, is a snare and a trap. It makes you merchandise and curses your children as a surety for debt. It's right there in the text over and over again. That's why, actually, during the break, I added another footnote. <laughs> you know, so that you could see where it references this in other places of the Bible. In other places of the New Testament. But people just turn a blind eye to it. Oh no, we can take oaths. As long as it's to the biblical constitution of the United States. Now I'm not, I'm not condemning. I'm not here to condemn the constitution. I'm not here to condemn George Washington or Madison. I think they said a lot of great things. And I even quote them. I actually added a quote of Madison just the other day to one of our articles. Uh, I can't remember the quote, but, uh, and I, I'm not even sure I've got the article open, but, the point is, is that uh, these these messages in the Bible are about life and death. And you go back to Abraham in Romans eleven. You see, I say, then hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Wot ye not what the scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Now, if you were reading that on preparing you, you would see a link there to Baal. Who's Baal? Who's Balaam? What's the error of the Nicolaitan? What are the deeds that God hates? You know, let their table be a snare. Is a reference to the dainties of the king, which Proverbs tells you that if you have an appetite for those dainties, those benefits, put a knife to your throat. Well, who offers you dainties? FDR, LBJ, Bill Clinton, <laughs> and Donald Trump. That's a stimulus check. That's a dainty. It's going to rob everybody. You, you'll get to eat your grapes today, but they're sour grapes. They'll turn your teeth on edge because you did not earn them. Yeah, the, the same guys, the, the Republic guys who were talking about their red, blue, bill, blue pill and quoting Colonel House, they think the Sabbath 
is counting seven days. You got to get Saturday, not Sunday, because that that if we get it Saturday, we'll be saved. No, the Sabbath is a way, not a day. He's using a day in a metaphor to describe the idea that you need to work and earn your bread, and then eat it. You don't eat it and then owe your labor to pay it off. Somebody wrote a guy I like a great deal. He's uh, He's been here a number of times. He wrote that uh, the wonderful thing about going out to eat is you don't have to do any dishes. And uh, it says, unless you forget your wallet. <laughs> and then you have to do your dishes. Because you're going to have to pay for it. But people think, oh no, we don't have to pay for it. We just get free stuff from the government. But we know the government only gives you free stuff by taking away from your neighbor. Tell me that's not a covetous practice. It is. It is the Corbin of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect. It's not a new deal. It's an old deal. It's the way of Nimrod. Who offers you a table of delicious dainties. If you will become subject. That was actually, they were just talking about that uh, this morning. And, and even Prager was talking about that. I mean, they're so close sometimes. But you know what? They can't set, they can't set down their religion. And I say their religion. I'm not saying set down religion. I'm saying set down their religion. I, I listened to a couple of guys debating uh, D'Souza and uh, I can't even remember the other guy. I, Hitchin, I think it was. Uh, I may have that name wrong, but it's close to Hitchin. <laughs> but uh, uh, I listened to their debate, and uh, they're talking about, oh, religion, you know, has done this and uh, the bad things and all this stuff. And, and religion is made up by men. Well, most of what you look at as religion is made up by men. Your public religion is made up by men. Someone advocating that, you know, it's my body and, you know, uh, saying that they had a right to an abortion. And I says, well, you're, you, these are the women who say it's my body. Unless, of course, the woman is still in the womb of its mother, then you can kill it. <laughs> so, you know, that's crazy. It's selfish. And what I was trying to say is that there's already a law against abortion. I don't need the legislature to tell me there's a law against abortion. But no way can you look at it, but it's a selfish act. But if a woman does have a baby, and I prefer that over to killing the baby, they have another law. The husband has to send her a check. Even if he he wants to abandon it, I want to abandon the baby. And he says, no, you can't abandon the baby. You you have to send them a check. So you have to go out and work with the sweat of your brow and send them a check. And I, I'm not against that. What I'm against, uh, what I am for is love. I'm just saying, it's evidently not his body. He has to He has to labor and take care of that baby for 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe he should see legislature is not legislating my morality my morality is legislated by the truth 
It's not a, it's not the result of an opinion. It's the truth. To abort your baby, most of the time, is a selfish act. Where you don't care about the rights of the woman in your womb. Or the man in your womb. You only care about what you want. And that has a consequence. You will, your eyes will be darkened. And you will sit in that darkness. And you will become, go into bondage. And that bondage does not love you. It wants your life. So repent and turn around. Let's go the other way. Till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.